So welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 242. Thank you so much everyone for joining in and what a wonderful, wonderful uh, start of the month already. It's been some really cool things have been happening. I just wanted to say before we do anything, thank you so much to everyone who joined in the first of the guest sessions interviews on Thursday last week. Uh, we had Sissy Johnson and I uh, talking about the currency of culture and the importance of understanding the culture correctly of a target audience. Absolutely fantastic to do that interview. I really enjoyed doing it. And uh, the next interview will be Thursday next week. So uh, make sure you're in the Entrepreneur Business Group for that and joining us. If you're watching right now, joining in, do pop into the comments if you're part of hashtag Team Live or hashtag Team Replay. Uh, but also put in where you're watching from as well. It'd be amazing to make sure uh, I have a look through and, and see who, who's who been watching and from where as well. So just checking in. Yes, we're live right now on LinkedIn. We're live on Facebook and we're live on, of course, Instagram as well. Thank you very much, everyone who's joining in, listening on the podcast uh, or watching the replay on any of the platforms, including IGTV as well. I really always appreciate the, the cool feedback I get often from people uh, watching, you know, uh, later in the week. Sometimes people watch it far later uh, and it's still nice hearing from you all. So thank you so much in advance for that. This week's topic, we're looking at selling without selling. So sell sales, if you like, without selling. And this doesn't mean not doing any selling because unfortunately for those who desperately try and avoid it, what's happening, it, it has to happen at some point is you do have to bring people in and actually do the close itself. But what we're talking about here is not being salesy because it's the thing people want to avoid. And it's always, it always amuses me when people say, I hate sales or I hate selling because that's to suggest that there is um, selling or sales is one thing and there's not a spectrum here which is nonsense. Uh, what people mean when they say that is, I don't like a particular type of sales or I don't like a particular type of selling. And invariably, <laughs> they tend to mean the type where you're just, you know, not giving any um, uh, attention to the feelings of the, of the audience that you're targeting and focusing much more on you know, just trying to get a deal in the door. And of course, that kind of arrogance uh, before any kind of earned right is is the mistake because it is it's resulting of course in in a huge feeling of, of irritation by those who are targeting and in turn no sales so no wonder people don't like that particular type of selling of course because it's filled with rejection and not feeling particularly good and uh, give you some feeling for my experiences those of you Watching for the first time, if you go back 18 years, my first job was cold calling and selling internet marketing. And, uh, you know, I was part of a group of people who, in the main, were, were not particularly welcome uh, when, when CEOs or presidents would pick up the phone because I was there to try and cold call and sell and close deals uh, out of thin air. And, and the reason why wasn't because of the proposition so much as how we did it. The approach was elbowing and barging our way in and assumptively presuming they would that we deserve to be listened to. Um, and that's not how it works. So there's a whole spectrum. And I invite anyone who has an, has a, a feeling of, of kind of aversion to selling in any form to look at it differently. There is a whole spectrum. And the best way to put it is people who say they hate selling or hate doing sales for their company, um, they tend to love it when a buyer says, hey, could I, um, would I be able to buy this, please? They tend to love it when someone wants to buy. And that's the kind of sales that we want to promote, um, build, and, and, and have more of. And, and that comes down to more of an attraction-based approach and doing certain things right. So that's why we're having this session today. I think it's really important to get into detail on what kind of things can really have a strong effect on making people uh, feel better about this experience 
both on the sell side and also on, on the buyer's side as well. So if you're watching right now, do jump into the comments. Again, let us know where you're watching from. Uh, let us know as well uh, if you're part of hashtag team live or hashtag team replay. I will hop into the uh, comments, see if anyone's in the chat here. Uh, let's see who's in. So uh, we've got Amy Hansen, uh, who said, I started cold calling nursing homes at my job in Chicago Department of Public Health. They had to deal with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it can, it's sometimes, it's sometimes it can just be so hard, but sometimes it can be really good. Um, I mean, it's, it, it can be a really a wonderful experience. It can be that someone calls you and they've got exactly what you need. And they catch you at the right time, but invariably it's pretty hard to deal with. But yeah, you started conquering nursing homes. Uh, that must be a very interesting experience for you. Gary Frey, thanks so much for watching. Uh, Team Live, County Down. Ireland says uh, James Perry. Is this live or pre-recorded? This is live, says uh, uh, to Christopher Powell. Uh, this one is live. Uh, if you are, if you can't see live in the top corner, then it's not live. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're live every single week at this time. So this is week 242. Patricia Freudenberg watching from New York. Nice to see you here as usual. Uh, Chitundra uh, is Amy Hansen. Good to see you here. We've got someone watching from South Africa as well. Made it, you said. That will be Estee, I presume, because you've, you've said in a, a question, Esther Visser, uh, your privacy settings mean I'm guessing because it just says LinkedIn user, but I'm presuming it is you. Uh, um, we've got at Lux VR Tours, said uh, Christopher Powell. Marvellous. Good. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, if you've got a question about sales without selling, uh, do uh, do pop it into the uh, um, into the comments. Uh, I cold call every day, says Dave Bozanko. Respect to you, man. I um, spent so many years doing it. I still coach companies that do it as well. It's not dead. It's not dead at all. And it's not a case. This is what I think this, I want to I want to explain this as well to look at the other side of it. Cold calling's got a bad name because most people are crap at it. Cold calling has a bad name because most people are chasing commission rather than satisfaction of a customer. And cold calling is intrusive by its very nature, is typically not prepared, and doesn't mean it's, 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 it's always bad because cold calling can be tremendously effective. And I, I reached a, a really good place with it after a bit of time doing it many, many years ago when I learned that certain things have to be done in a certain order and you have to do things in a particular way. And if you're good at it, and if you learn the process, and if you learn that the person expecting you doesn't want to be, um, doesn't want to be completely interrupted and typically is conditioned to feel that you are going to waste their time, then, then if you understand that, you tend to be able to do quite well. And I got to a point where I was smashing it with cold calling because I understood the mechanics and the dynamics of this person that didn't know who I was and was conditioned to believe I would probably be a waste of time and use technique to circumvent it. So love it when people do it for a living and not because they feel they have to here and there, but actually embrace it and do it. Um, and it's not down to, this is the big takeaway I think from cold calling. It doesn't have to be a willingness to go through the pain of constantly being rejected all the time and let that bounce off you. People say, oh, you're gonna be really thick skinned. Sure, and you'll get more rejection than most approaches, but you can lessen it a strong amount. You can really enjoy it and be very, it can be very exhilarating. It is not beating down doors all day long and then eventually someone gives you, cuts you some slack. It's It can be far more elegant and you can be far more effective than that. And you look at people top of their game and they will, they will get through and they will make the difference and they will get the result. And, and, you know, getting someone from, hi, how can I help, completely cold, to paying tens of thousands of dollars in uh, an invoice half an hour later requires elegance. You can't just slam, slam the phone all day long and not expect to uh, uh, and expect to get great results. You've got to learn technique and finesse. I think it really is important. So great to be shared that. Um, uh, Amy Hanson, my, God, my husband cold calls for a living, good stuff. Logistics, sales, IT, I know people in that space as well, wonderful stuff. I did it, I say, with, with uh, online marketing for many years. I did it with conferences and events. I did it with recruitment too, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, truth be told, said Patricia Freudenberg, my intention of cold calling is to establish a credible business network. Yeah, it could be quite different uh, way, uh, approach to it. It seems for me, she, she adds, uh, cold calling is successful if I show authenticity in interest 
after reading profiles, never before has it been more straightforward to be equipped going into a cold call. Never before has it been harder because people cold call all the time, but it is very much the case that you can equip yourself with lots of free information on that person you're trying to reach before you get on the call because everyone's got free profiles on free platforms you can access. So it's absolutely crucial to go make your most of that. Uh, absolutely makes a big, big difference. Uh, like I say, if you have any questions on cold calling, do pop them in here. I'm really keen to uh, see what your questions are on sales without selling. Shout out again to the Entrepreneur Business Group. Make sure you jump in if you're not part of it. Every uh, every second and fourth Thursday of the month, uh, we have an interview now called The Guest Sessions. And I can't wait to announce the next guest. He is so important. Uh, he has he is so of the moment. He's so relevant to what's going on right now. I'm really pumped about it. Uh, last week's one with Sissy Johnson from Self Cells was an amazing interview. She's worked with Sony, uh, with Elle. She's worked with, you know, she's been in Vogue magazine. She helps people navigate culture uh, in their marketing. And we talk about the, the currency of culture at the moment. Really interesting conversation. That replay is up there now in the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook. So join in. If you go to facebook.com slash groups, go to Entrepreneur Business Group. Uh, we're right there. Let's get firstly into some tips. So uh, three tips. There are many. There are many. But three tips for uh, sales without selling, like being, without being salesy. Number one is you'll need to be human first. And what that means is actually you need to treat them as human first, not just a number. Sounds cute, right? But what it represents is a genuine, genuinely coming across like you are interested in that person rather than just another, another person in the list. When you work volume, as in when you are trying to hit as many people as possible, if that is your strategy, then you've got to watch this idea of just like, if I just smash the phone or if I just smash the DMs or if I just keep going with connection requests, someone eventually will say yes. That is not selling. That is lottery. That is like saying I will try and get paid this year by winning the lottery. I'll just buy tickets. It's completely unknown whether or not you'll do it. It's the same approach here. If you smash volume with no attempt to understand the human, you'll end up with eventually getting a sale. That's crucial to understand. If you just spam all day long, you will eventually get a sale, but you didn't sell anyone. They happen to be in the market for it, and you happen to come along at the right time. That was called luck, and that is the worst strategy because it's not repeatable on demand. And the way in which people believe it's repeatable on demand is by having sufficiently high volume. For instance, if I, took, if I bought 15 million um, 15 million lottery tickets every single week, I'd probably win the lottery most weeks. It doesn't mean I, I made that happen by like actually choosing the numbers with some science. It's just luck that I managed to do it that way. So that is not the, the approach we want to have. Okay, so remembering that this human first means you have a bit more control. You need to engage with them because everything starts with trust. Second point is that you should never ask. That's not just for the deal, but any step of the process, moving forward through the process. This goes for DMs. This goes for calls to action through co um, content. This goes for cold calling. This goes for any step of any process in selling. You do not ask until you've earned the right to do so. Otherwise, you're being too pushy. You don't want to come across as pressured and you hate sales because you get rejection. It's because you're stepping forward before you've emotionally earned the right from that person. You can be pushy and get sales because some people you can roll them over. But in if you want people to come back, if you want people to talk about the amazing experience they've had with you, if you want people to stick around, pay more money, which is proven here, they are happy to spend more money, feel good about experience and then go tell friends and get your referrals, you need to keep them feeling like there's no pressure, which means you have to do certain things on each step. You need to earn the right to go to the next stage. A great examples being, you know, in, in DMs, for instance, unless someone's giving sharing that they have a struggle or complimenting you, 
without those two cues, you haven't earned the right yet to progress to the step where you might suggest that you hop on a call or something like that. Yes, you might get occasional calls if you spam first with, hey, I'm doing this thing. But again, that's luck. That wasn't because you wrote something right. That was because they happened to need it right now and you just came along. You didn't have as much control as you might if you go through a particular process of just making sure that they feel comfortable with you first. So that's crucial. Human first, then make sure you're asking only once you've earned that right. Otherwise, being doing it beforehand is being too assumptive. And finally, show that you should be trusted. To show you should be trusted, you don't, again, you don't presume anything. Um, what you do is you go and broadcast. This is a really good, you know, especially nowadays, you should be using content broadcast to the world you're the expert in your space broadcast to the world you know what you're talking about show that the you know you're, you're credible through your awards your certificates if you must through social proof and testimonials that you know what you're talking about there's an ideal approach to um starting the sales process that actually can come from a live um session like this for some people they will listen and go that's credible. I get that. I, I like what he's saying. And that's really interesting. And it resonates with me. For many, it may not. But if it does, that's the first step to them thinking, you know, what? I'll stick around and subconsciously feeling this guy is someone maybe I want to look at a bit more and we take it from there. So, so that builds some familiarity into trust and, and so on. And I think it really is important, really is important to make sure you don't presume ever that you that you should deserve someone to give you anything that is the biggest mistake in the first message often in the dms that is just straight spam basically even if you're laden with really well-crafted well-meaning text even if it's saying i really feel i've done all this research i really believe that i can help you here's a gift or an offering or something i know that will prove it you're doing it in a context where that person hasn't yet emotionally decided they want to buy from you. And if that's the case, right, then you need to do that bit first. You know, you have to do the, the human bit first. You have to get them to want to like you and want to be interested in you before you can then shoot the, uh, the, interest, uh, the interesting value add uh, message to them. I do want to shout out people on, on Instagram right now. Uh, my, my friend and superstar, uh, Diane Noyan is watching from Australia. Amazing to see you here. Thank you so much for watching. Serene Prince as well. As well. Uh, Red 00711. DJ underscore push button. Uh, uh, it's Jenny, uh, Jenny O'Cor. Uh, good to see you here as well. Um, uh, Lebasified. Da uh, Bibliophile. Bonita G. Anthony. Uh, or Bonnie Tag. Anthony, I don't know. Uh, and many others uh, who I will also embarrass myself uh, saying the names wrong because uh, Instagram handles are crazy. Thank you for all of you for watching. If you have a question on sales without selling, do share it in the comments right below. And uh, I have just I find this is a fascinating space because there's such a version when which can be fixed. And I'm really enjoying. Uh, it's probably like seven months in now. The on maybe even more eight months in. I reckon. The, um, the uh, LinkedIn Client Accelerator I've built, which is focused, there's 51 people in this now. It's really, it's really awesome how it's grown. It's people focusing on conversion in a way that feels good for both sides as opposed to pressured and, and cringing. So it's very much sales without selling. Before we get into the questions, I've got a first one here uh, from Jenny on uh, Instagram. So that's why I'm looking at this camera, those of you who are wondering why I'm, why I'm looking elsewhere. Um, hi, Richard, based on what you're saying, how would you connect with people on LinkedIn so you can lead the conversation to a booked call? Uh, hello as well, Gypsy Charm. Uh, thanks for joining. Really good question, Jenny. So here's the point. The problem is that most people look at new connections as a transactional thing. And so they think the first step is to write some magical message that will lead someone to go, you know what, I'd like to hop on a call. It doesn't work like that because you've got to look at how the human animal works. The human animal will never buy anything from you, no matter how good, unless there is trust first. Which is why in my inbox, in the junk mail section, every single day, 
every single message that says, you know, hi, I'm Stefan Schwartzman, uh, which it clearly isn't, or hi, I'm Joe Biden, which it clearly isn't. And I want to give you $15 million, even though that's something I would love, I don't trust it. And so I don't act on it. And that's an extreme point to, to make the make to, to, to kind of prove the point. But the, the issue that everyone has is no trust first. So how would I connect someone on LinkedIn? I'd look for where there might be a good context for a, for a message. So I don't say, hey, I'm interested in adding you to my network because that doesn't move the needle and that doesn't start a conversation, which is the most important part of that connection request in addition to obviously getting them to accept it. That connection request should be driving the beginning of a conversation. To do that with another human being, it only will work, or uh, if, if I want to do it best, it has to be on an interest level, a genuine curiosity level about them. It cannot be at all about how they are, are potentially great for this new opportunity I've got. You can't go offering opportunities to people who don't know you because it doesn't work <laughs> because it doesn't work if you feel it's worked in the past for you it was because of luck against volume so what you write instead after having done a modicum of research on their profile is hey jenny i saw you move you were in barcelona i ran an event there recently uh, but you've moved to london how are you doing and like or oh, something where there's commonality i see we're both in the same group I see that you did this or, you know, something along the lines of showing an interest uh, that is show. Basically, what you want to do is, is illustrate why you've been curious uh, in their profile, not because I think I, that you'd be interesting in, in, for my for my network. That's not exciting. It's relevant, but not specific enough. What is it about that person? Something specific only to them that is interesting and i used to uh, when i was selling in corporate i used to trade off um, a mutual connection hey i'd be like hey jenny i i see that uh, we're, we're actually mutually connected to this person who we've been recently working with how are you doing and it's just to, like if there's some commonality then you know naturally that person would say oh really what is it you did with them or i know them well and like it's something to start with uh, it really is crucial and I think unless you've got something common to go off, you, you're like you're hoping they happen to be in a good move. And again, you've got this strategy of hope or luck, and it's just not very good, a good way of doing it. So, you know, starting with a question like, hey, Jenny, I saw you here on LinkedIn. What challenges have you got in your business? It's not going to work. They will happily answer that question, but only after the time when they have a sense of who you are. It's so, so crucial. Uh, you've added here in a comment, okay, thank you so much for this. A lot of people who connect with me got it wrong because they just pitch for their own interest, which makes LinkedIn a spam platform. It's full of spam. One of the big reasons why LinkedIn's full of spam is because of volume. There are over 700 million people on it. And so it's easy, especially with bots, it's easy to just farm out as many messages as possible because eventually a few things come in. When I worked in a sales, in, in my first sales job, you'd probably need to do about 500 dials a week. So about 100 a day, uh, you'd have to research every single company yourself. And we were like, it was like a warehouse. I don't know how many people, dozens and dozens and dozens. If you've ever seen the Wolf of Wall Street that sales for, that's what it looks like, okay? Stacks of us in there, nonstop, all day long, dial, 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 nonstop, all day long. To, to ideally get one deal each per week for what was the price at the time? It was like three thousand pounds, about five thousand dollars at the time. Okay, that was it, once per week. From which you'd get, you know, between what was it like between like ten and fifteen percent commission based on how well you were doing. That was it, based on all day, like nothing else. You'd research outside of office hours these companies all day long, making these phone calls. Okay, that's all we did to get one a week. And that's the point that we did it because it worked, it made the company millions because there were people willing to work the volume play. This was early years of the internet, so I was using big fat books like Yellow Page and that, like I would, I would call every company out of a phone book, nonstop. 
because you have volume, you can use that approach. If there were six people in the world you could pitch, you wouldn't cold call them. If you were in the space industry, if you're SpaceX, you're, you don't have millions of customers. Uh, well, you kind of do now because you're looking at companies that want to put things in space. Bad example. But if I'm trying to target space companies, for instance, there's not thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them. There's like the main ones, NASA and ESA, for instance. Then I might hit, you know, SpaceX and so on. There's only, then, then you're like, I've kind of hit, I'm kind of starting to hit the, you know, after I've done 20, I'm starting to worry about who I'm going to call. LinkedIn, you have so many people, you can afford to be rubbish and keep going nonstop. And I think that's the point here, is that if you have volume, it's dangerous, but what you should do is be more selective, okay? It's really crucial uh, to have that. Great point, uh, uh, Jenny, thanks for joining in. Mirab Levine, good to see you watching. <laughs> Yay at nine o'clock finally, which I think is because our clocks haven't gone uh, forward whereas presumably in the States they have. So this will be fun for time zones for the rest of the week. Uh, Raf could see here as well, my man. Uh, Adi Flores, I think is how you say it. Anna Carolina Massaro uh, as well. Uh, and Ginny, I hope that answers your question. Uh, really good, really good point. Um, it's scrolling down, see who else is watching right now on, um, <laughs> on, um, on, <laughs> on LinkedIn. Amy said, Wolf of Wall Street could give you uh, Imagine Post's uh, could could you even imagine post-COVID? Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to be doing that in, in, in uh, a coronavirus at all. Um, I, I'll be, uh, I want to go back to how we were at the start of this call. I have a lot of respect for that. And as a 22-year-old, I loved it. It was not nearly as debauched <laughs> as, as the Wolf of Wall Street. We weren't doing uh, monstrously horrible things with uh with with dwarves and strippers like in the film we, we were not stacked with drugs all the time but we were in a fast place sales environment we were making far more money than most 22 year olds would make and really enjoyed it so it was a phenomenal experience it was everything i wanted it was my really wonderful welcome to london plus it taught me to sell because the churn or as in the staff coming in and leaving was insane in companies like that the churn was crazy. It was like people would show up on in, in an intake of 15 people and by lunchtime, people had left on the first day because it was just like, it was at times abusive because you had to really, you know, you weren't allowed to sit down. It was like, we're, as I said, we're like battery hands there. I'm glad I went through the experience and it taught me what not to do as well as what to do. It was really, really, really fascinating. Uh, it really was. So let's hop in to uh, questions today. Again, sales without selling. If you have any questions, pop them into the comments. Estee, watching from South Africa, you ask, uh, or you made a point, I'm going to turn it into a question. This is such a key topic for most people in sales-orientated roles. These days you say hi and people respond with no thank you. Well, yes, is the problem uh, often. And you have, it's difficult because there's two kind of ways of doing it. You have a patient approach, such as through LinkedIn and, and social, where you can be a little bit more, uh, you know, you can take the time a bit more. Then there's cold call. If you're cold calling businesses, you, it's, it's like you are selling. So you better have something good. And it, and I, the best I've got, because this, this, this is not about selling cold calling without sales because, because it's a very different world. But the best advice I can give for those who are cold calling is when you go into the call, don't try and have some killer line hey, we can just do this for you and it's the best thing ever and you're, you're going to want to listen to this opportunity because you sound like a game show host and everyone's heard it before. They had years ago and they really have by now. So you need something that drives some bit more intrigue instead uh, rather than come and listen to me, I'm the next sales guy. It, you know, bigger, Being bigger, more energetic and louder than everyone else is not the way to do it. You need to be a bit more, show a bit more, research show that you've you under that you've got an in you know show that you know this person that's relevant to them because they've worked with them as well and you just wanted to pick their brains on it something a bit more driving of curiosity is, is the way to do it but anyway esther said um overcoming preconceived ideas exactly what we're talking about preconceived ideas are how we're conditioned i'm conditioned now very different to how my parents were conditioned in the 80s when the phone rang the landline in the 80s you'd go and answer it <laughs> when the phone rings today with zero exceptions 
I never answer it. That's not true. <laughs> With almost zero exceptions, I never answer it. The only time I will answer it is if it's the number from the school where my children are. And they're amazing because they, they when you answer the phone, they start with, hi, this is this is your name of school. And um, don't worry, your children are fine. And then they normally say something like, you know, your child's puked on herself or whatever it might have been. But not, not normally that. It's usually something ridiculous. Like it's our policy to tell you if they crack their head or something. But the, it's not a dangerous school. But the point is that that you never answer. It's unconditioned. It is always a sales call. Always. Always. So there's no point answering it. Everyone who needs to reach me has a mobile. And if the school wants to reach us, well, I'll see their number. Everyone else doesn't get the answer. Simple as that. Same with the DMs. Same with the emails. It's obvious. So that's how we work. So we want to overcome these preconceived ideas. So imagine you're going to reach out to someone in a DM. What are you going to do? Because they are conditioned. So don't lead with a direction that makes you feel to them the same as this pool of people that represents irritating people who aren't going to give them any, any particular value. Okay. Creating that gap to start a conversation is what, what you're asking about here. It is a big one. And what you need to do is, is simply focus on them first, focus on some commonality. It's really effective when you find commonality. I was in 2017, I was pitched in a DM, but it started with the commonality play. The pitch was from an incubator at Warwick University, who I still work with now, four years on. And the pitch was just like many of, of, of the rest of them, like asking if I would be involved in their incubator, help with mentoring, give up my time and all this kind of stuff. I get asked this kind of thing all the time. But the difference was before he asked me, the man Harrison Levy said first, hey, Richard, I see you're a fellow Warwick alumni as well. How are you? Something like that. Absolutely brilliant. He had me because I was like, yeah, I was I was there too. How are you doing? And the commonality was on a human level first. Whether or not he did this deliberately, I don't know, but it allowed, it made, because they, I was like, I had a great experience there. I had a really good time. Warwick University meant something to me and he bothered to check. And so I was like, yeah, how are you doing that? Because he was, I think he was in the second year at the time. It's like, how's Warwick going for you? How, how's it all, do, how's it all going? And, and, uh, and we got into chat and then he pitched me and I was fine to hear it. That's the difference. So there was, there was, uh, commonality that he leveraged to begin with. So just look at it this way. Like if, if you know someone or you have something in common, that is a place where trust can be built. So it's a really good start point. You, you need to map from there, uh, SD. That's a good way to, to work this out. Um, Daniel Nunes has asked, what's the difference between sales whisperers <laughs> and shotgun salesmen? And how do you root out the used car salesman out of your online business, business strategy? How do you root out the user? I, these are your words, Daniel, but used car salesman tends to, salesperson, we have to say these things, of course, um, tends to suggest someone who has shoddy business tactics and uses sharp practice and things like that to, to close sales. Um, you know, I, I think I want to give a bit more love to people in that kind of space. Often, they're just misguided. I was like that in the first days of selling when I first started. The reason why was I was a history master's graduate. I was not uh, a seasoned salesperson with lots of experience. And so I just did, I read a script. I was, you know, trying to just beat the, the phone and tell people to buy stuff. And I presumed that eventually that would work. But again, we used volume as, as our approach. But actually, all I was was misguided. I wasn't trained particularly well. Like, it was just like, get on with the phone, you know, get on with the job. And I think, I think, we have to afford some respect or some love to people who are trying, uh, who don't know what they're doing. When someone spams you, um, you know, in, in the DMs, uh, we say spam, when they send your first message saying, when they're really trying, like, hey, I'd like to show you this thing. I really think it will help. Um, of course, a lot of the time it's an agency or a bot who's just spamming all day long and, and they should know better. But for many, it's not their fault. That's they just don't know what to do. So we can't blame them if they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and a lot of people will make these mistakes because 
they don't know what they're doing. Okay, so you've got to give them a bit of space for it. Um, and I, I remember, like, it was only about a month ago, I closed this really interesting deal. And I did it for sport. <laughs> because I, I it's always, you know, I, I'm a practitioner as well as like someone who talks about this kind of thing. I sell every day. Um, and, and closing deals is important because I can't possibly talk about it or teach it unless I'm doing it myself and well. And I remember it was about a month ago, um, there was someone who who um, who had a an agency send a message to me that couldn't have been more irrelevant because it was related to US tax laws changing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in England. Uh, you couldn't be further off the mark. And uh, so and, and I was like, so I, my response was like, look, you need to ch check with your VA, make sure I'm off the list. It's not going to help. And that person apologized. So I'm really, really sorry. So she didn't know any better. So then I offered some I asked some careful questions and, and offered some advice. And, and and a couple of bits of the advice started to really wow her. And, I, and I've, I've actually saved the, the text or all of all of the um, uh, messages sent. And by the end of the second page uh, of all of this, uh, if you look at if you read it, all, um, she's like, yes, let's hop on a call. It'd be really useful. Thank you so much. So we've taken someone there who really didn't know what they were doing and 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 helped her because actually she she just didn't know better. Um, and she was sold by a professional outfit who, who said, hey, we, our job is getting you great leads and getting in deals. They clearly don't know what they're doing at all, and all they were doing is spamming all day long. So, um, so it was it's fascinating that there's deals everywhere, and I just simply needed to to pivot her. Um, but it started there. So I hope that's inspiring to you all because you can always there's always a deal somewhere, and um, even if it's someone who's spamming you, I, I spun that around. It took me about twenty minutes to to get her to that point where she's like, you know what, this is brilliant. Let's get on a call, and then it was a deal on the call and and that person uh, joined me a few weeks ago so it's fantastic to do so rooting out these you know truth is you can you can tell these people a mile off but you might want to give them a chance you might want to hear them out because you never know you might be able to do something with it um it might be a turn it might be a good lead like that so just something to think about thomas erp you've asked uh michael you said you've rather you said my question is difficult to express how do you help prospects buy into something they want and need, but aren't prone to understand the need to pay for. As a career transition coach, it's not uncommon to, to connect with prospects who are used to resume services, interviewing skills, or even job placement, but they seem a bit more hesitant when it comes to coaching that helps them to understand themselves better to create alignment with themselves and career opportunities. Not so much a challenge on a discovery or onboarding call as I can demonstrate value in our conversation. The bottom line, how do you tap into and expand their frame of reference and lead them to the call? This is simple. They have to want to listen first. It's the same with all of this. This is the theme. The person you're tar targeting has, to, this is a feeling, by the way, they have to want to listen first. You, it's not because they're horrible, but why should they listen to you? Try it. Go up to a random stranger in the street and give them some advice. Usually the response is, who the hell are you to tell me? Because people don't want to be told what to do. In the same way as people don't like to be sold to. But when they want to do it, when they want to step forward, they love it. Think about someone who's decided they want to spend money on an iPhone. They believe it, like, like this is going to be a great great purchase this is going to make me feel good everyone's going to make me feel uh, everyone's going to think i'm successful and uh, it will change my world I, I will be a better person because i buy this iphone they're sold on it emotionally the sell is a much more wonderful process for the, for the seller because that person is running out at the uh, at the cash desk with their cash so it starts by making the prospect want to want to listen first how do you do that it starts with credibility. Credibility is, it comes, well, it doesn't start credibility, you need credibility, and that comes from trust. You can't have any credibility unless there is trust. Because if there, if, for instance, a really good example of this is, at the moment, there's this disease in online entrepreneurship where people pretend that they are, voted 
top entrepreneurs by leading brands, the big culprits, Yahoo Finance. And all it is, is someone who writes an article is selling slots. Like and I, I was pitched by someone who does, did this recently. She messaged me and said, hey, you look really great on LinkedIn. Um, we're doing an article for Yahoo Finance. I'm calling that out because it's totally, it's a lot of them, but Yahoo Finance is like, it's the obvious one. I'm doing an article for Yahoo Finance. It's the top 10 entrepreneurs and your name will be under Yahoo Finance. And we're going to let, you know, they, they put the title as if to suggest the whole of Yahoo Finance has got together and decided these are the number, well, the top 10 uh, uh, um, entrepreneurs, I'll say it on LinkedIn, in the world. And said, and if you want to get in, it's this much money. So basically, if I give her money, despite my credibility or, or how good I am, I can be on this list and I can just pretend, which is, that's the problem. We've got such BS these days. So that is a really good example of, of like, there's just no credibility in that. When I see, like, when I see Yahoo Finance, sorry, because I know some uh, friends may be watching this who have this, but I'm calling it. When I see people who have Yahoo Finance top 10 entrepreneur, I laugh because you paid for it. And Yahoo Finance did not decide you are a top 10 entrepreneur, you paid for it. And it's the same in so many places. You know, in Forbes, if you have a third party contributor who writes an article and puts you in it, Forbes has not featured you. I've been in Forbes through a third party contributor. Forbes staff did not write a feature on me, okay? By the way, I didn't pay for it either. That guy decided to write an article and asked if I could be in it, no problem, okay? So there's credibility. The other one, of course, is Amazon bestseller. Amazon bestseller means nothing nowadays, sorry. And the annoying part is there's a lot of people who legitimately are Amazon bestsellers, but it means nothing because there's a guy here um, in the UK uh, who proved you can become an Amazon bestseller. I think it took him, it was like an hour. I'm desperately trying to remember his name. Uh, I can't remember now. But basically he, he wrote a book. Well, I say wrote a book. He produced a book that literally had no words in it. It is a blank page. And he, um, he asked his audience to go buy it. I think he said he'd even refund them. And it was like 49 pence each. And because of the velocity, so he sold a certain number of books within like an hour. Technically speaking, in his category, he became an Amazon bestseller. Now you've got the badge you can put on. So there's all of these things, you know, there's all of the, I don't want to be like ranty, but I kind of am. But the point is that you get all of these um, issues um, where, around credibility when, it gets ruined. If if I if I was a New York Times bestseller, but, or if I see someone who's a New York Times bestseller, now I now I respect that. Amazon bestseller, don't respect that because you can game it. Everyone knows you can game it. If if you are in the magazine Forbes, <laughs> then I'm impressed. If you're claiming when no one knows who you are and you've started five minutes ago to be noted by Yahoo Finance as a top 10, in the top 10 entrepreneurs on the planet, then sorry, it's ridiculously low credibility. So the problem is that people trade off this and it works because some people don't know what I've just described here. Anyway, it, the really important point is that it doesn't matter what your proposition is. It's the credibility that makes a difference. Elon Musk is so loved by many, he couldn't come up with insane ideas and people go no yeah that's a that's a really good idea hyperloop i don't even think it was his idea but but pursuing the hyperloop idea which is this idea of like um you know firing us between wherever it is you know la and somewhere else uh, like it's super super quick speeds through this tube um if someone with no credibility came up with it they'd be like what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. But Elon Musk, everyone, go, everyone goes, well, we'll pay attention because look, guy runs billion dollar businesses. Credibility is huge. Credibility is um, only comes from trust. Okay. 
trust can be born from familiarity. So you to get familiarity, you can often just need to show up a bit. Like, and that's why content's a really good play. If you're regularly showing up every single week or every single day, people will start seeing you more. If you say something intelligent regularly enough, that frequency of, of you know, intelligence will make you come across as far more credible uh, because you're becoming familiar. This just, it's an interesting hack uh, with the human animal. If someone sees someone something enough, they become unfamiliar with it, they trust it more. Um, it's like a dodgy part of town. It was a, actually a part, when I lived in London, one of my flats I was like, it was kind of quite nice where I lived this bit. And then the next part over was horrible. And when I first went into that area, I was like, I fear for my life right now. After a while, when you get enough exposure to it, you kind of get used to it. I was like, actually, it's okay. It's not that bad at all. Uh, I just needed to get used to it. And, and that's, it's a, a familiarity thing is where the trust came from. So that's what's really crucial here, uh, Thomas. You've got to remember, they have to want to listen to you first with enough credibility, with enough familiarity in you. So there comes the trust. And now they want to hear your ideas. There will always be people out there who think you're amazing if you broadcast to enough people and they'll be like, this guy's awesome. I love his ideas. And because they like you, they trust you and think you're interesting. They will want, this is the key part. They will emotionally want to like the thing you're coming up with. They give you the benefit of the doubt for it. If you're not credible, your idea, the same one, it may be exactly the same idea as someone with credibility is viewed through a different lens. So when someone sees you as credible and trusts you, your idea is a good one, they're more willing to listen to it. When you're not credible, your idea is not as impressive. So those people who flex off the Yahoo Finance thing, I'm like, not impressed, not impressed yet. It needs to be something else that impressed me instead. So I just, I want you to think about that. It's, it's a big, big takeaway here is looking at what needs to happen first, which is getting the other side to want to listen to you. Doesn't matter the proposition. And it's crazy because so many amazing deals never happen. With great products, for a perfect prospect, they never happen because it was spammed first. It's not the proposition that's the problem when you're getting rejection in your DMs. It's your process. Before that, you have to get that person to think, actually, I I quite like this person, good banter, or we get on well, or we have commonality, or we both know the same person. They lean in, receptivity goes up. Now they're willing to listen to your proposition. The very same proposition they would have deleted if it had come prior to that. There's your big takeaway, if, if at all. Mike Winnett, thank you, James Perry. He's the one who proved it with Amazon, exactly right. I'm pretty sure it's an empty book, and he did it within like two hours, and it's like just proved the point uh, big time. Next question. Uh, let's do one more question. Sophie Whelan uh, from Instagram, she didn't work for Instagram, via Instagram asked, can you remain genuine and authentic when selling in the DMs? Yes. Selling in the DMs is hard. It really is tough. But I will tell you now that that I found the technique is better to, you, to once you're in the DMs, to pivot out to a call. Because again, look at, where, look at where trust and familiarity lies. It's far more effective when you're on the call with someone, when you're actually engaged with, with that person and seeing them in real life. DMs are a little bit harder to do. Coming from a world many years ago of cold calling, you know, I, I may have sold millions over the years, but to do it, I went through so much pain because the person couldn't see me. So pivot to a Zoom calls and you get a lot more trust and familiarity because they can see the whites of your eyes. That's why meeting face to face, you can't beat it. You can get so much more from a meeting when you're with that person right there. You can remain genuine and authentic when selling in the DMs, but it goes back to this point I made earlier. You're looking for cues. You don't progress until you've earned the right. Otherwise, you're being pushy. If someone approaches you and is um, trying to suggest you should buy from right away, they better be in the mood for it and absolutely needing it. Otherwise, it'll never be a deal. And again, if you get a sale, you are lucky. And that's not really real, really selling. So I prefer my, my, it's actually a very simple three-step process. I attract through content. I let people see, they see me enough that they see me as credible for themselves. 
they see me as credible, they start to trust me, they step forward, then the DMs are how I pivot them from the content into a call, then onto the call is where the actual deal happens. So um, that's what I would suggest, uh, Sophie, use the DMs to pivot to a call because your superpower is typically your personality and emphasis, emotion, dynamics, it just doesn't come across in the DM nearly as much. The hack, of course, is you might wanna use voice memos on DMs, that does go a long way, but it really is crucial to remember that. Pivot out of the DMs into a call is far more effective. If you're doing a lower ticket and you're doing a higher volume of sales, then I appreciate you might not be getting on the call with every single person. You can still remain genuine and authentic, but sorry, you've got to expect a high percentage of rejection unless you're willing to go individually to each of those pe people's profiles and find something about them. Show why you're actually curious. If you're just working the numbers, expect to get the response uh, that, that, that relates to that, which is, well, if you're treating people like numbers, they'll treat you like the kind of person that treats people like numbers, as simple as that. Um, really interesting discussion. I get the feeling this could blossom into a lot. So it may well be we will revisit this again next week. So hopefully uh, you give me some feedback on that. Let me know if you want to kind of do a week two of that. It'd be interesting to do. Uh, for now, we'll finish there. But thank you so much, everyone who joined in. Again, thank you so much, everyone who watched last week the guest sessions in the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook. We've got thousands of people in there, so if you're not in the group, do join. Next week, we've got the next one uh, coming out, more information on that soon. And uh, thank you, of course, huge thank you to the marvelous uh, Restream for partnering and sponsoring this. So if you want $10 free credit when you get a free account with, um, with Restream, which allows you to record audio, record the video, and of course, go live on multiple platforms, you know, Twitch, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever you wanna do. Um, then do do grab a free link uh, through Restream, so R-E-S-T-R-E-A-M dot I-O slash join slash Richard Moore. When you hop in there, you'll get automatically assigned $10 free credit, which you can use for extra stuff. Um, but if you do any recording and video, if you make a podcast or if you go live, you can use the platform from that. Thank you for partnering with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for watching this week. Absolute pleasure on LinkedIn, Facebook and on the super uh, uh, Instagram as well. I will see you all very soon. Have a great week and uh, take care over on Instagram. Sorry, that's Instagram turned off there. <laughs> see you later on Facebook and LinkedIn as well.